Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Time for the Tennessee Power Hour across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360, live from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Follow the show on social media, on Twitter at Outkick360. Follow us Facebook, YouTube, and you can find the podcast wherever you download your podcasts each and every day. Just search for the show there. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and leave a rating and review. Titans in Week 5 will begin preparation for Jacksonville tomorrow. And there's a lot of turmoil with Urban Meyer, head coach for the Jags, uh, what he's uh, what he's done in not returning with the team, staying back, all the video and, and uh, photos circulating of him, um, what the players are saying in Jacksonville, what they're not saying in Jacksonville in support of their coach, what their owner has come out and said, saying that he has to earn the trust back of the organization and his team. Craziness. And it sets up for yet another reason why the Titans should go and handle their business this week in week five against an inferior opponent. Yet another gift laid out there for the Tennessee Titans. Two weeks of gifts. One thing that's got to improve, Hut, and I was looking at some numbers last night, and obviously pass protection is, is a big issue. I am not forgiving that in any way, shape, or form. And I wouldn't mind seeing a change on that line, though the thing that's got to change first and foremost is Lawan playing better, Jones playing better despite the fact that he's dinged up. I thought Roger Saffold was actually the best guy on the line before he got hurt. <clears throat> Davis hasn't been playing great either. We know Quesenberry. Quesenberry's going to be the weak link on the line. He needs to be the weak link on a line where everybody's playing well. When he's the weak link on a line with everybody playing poorly, it's, it's a disaster area. But next-gen stats say last year Tannehill had an average of 2.69 seconds to throw, and this year he's got an average of 2.66 seconds to throw. Now, yesterday that number probably plummeted. Sunday that number probably plummeted, got pulled way down because he was obviously in a hurry all the time. But the separation statistics concern me. So – their aggressive number, the number of times that he's throwing into a tight window. Last year, they ranked 11th. This year, they rank 5th. So he's trying to throw into tight windows more often. I would argue that he's trying to throw into tight windows more often. Not that, are they being more aggressive? Yes. But he has to throw into tight windows more often because he's got tight windows to throw into more often because guys aren't getting open. And even Julio Jones had one very good game but hasn't generally been running away from people. A.J. Brown, Brown was open in the, in the one game, and he dropped everything. Those two receivers have not been presenting themselves and available and open, and the rest of the guys are generally not open. In this last game, they weren't open at well, all. Let's, let's, let's continue on what's different about last year. Corey Davis, who did well against the Titans this weekend, had a very good season and was open a lot for the Titans a year ago. Jonu Smith was an enormous loss Runs for this offense. Runs away from people. He was getting open. Oh, not just getting open. He's he, scoring touchdowns. He had like six touchdowns in four weeks last year. Yeah. He was also very good when covered. He, he was a good covered receiver also for the Titans. But, well, that's, that's let me, a Let me give problem. you one, one more number on this. 
Last year, Tannehill's expected completion percentage, 63.1. His actual completion percentage, 65.5. So he was completing passes 2.4% more than the, the things indicated, more than he should have. This year, he's 2.4% worse than he should be. I think that, again, is because he's, he's forced to make some throws earlier than he wants to because of the pressure, and guys aren't as open as they were last year for him to make these throws that are completed when history of what throws are completed suggest he shouldn't complete them, and he does. Now he's not completing them. Here's what this comes down to. This is very simple. The Titans lack explosion on offense. They had 93 plays Sunday against the Jets. Three passing plays went for 20 yards or more. Three of the 93. They had one run of 20 yards or more. Everything is a struggle and a battle to get within third and short. And then, then they take Henry off the off field. The field. <laughs> yeah. But my point being, they don't have, without A.J. or Julio, they have no explosion to their offense. They talk depth, and they touted depth with their wide receiving core because we saw them practice quite a bit with Ryan Tannehill, and they perform well. And then we, we saw some injuries occur, and we've seen this slog to get to where we are in week four, watching this offense come together, or the lack thereof, quite frankly. They... They, they lack the big playability, and that's why the Jets beat them. They lost to the Jets on a day where they handled the run, they established the run, and they were able to dominate time of possession, dominate time of possession, and they lost because the Jets had those big explosive plays, those quick strike plays after the Titans settled for field goals. During which a rookie quarterback had time while rolling out to tell Corey Davis, no, no, keep going. And I'll find this you is, when you keep running into the end zone. This is what next-gen stats needs to really dive into. This is not about time in the pocket. This is about time in the pocket on the most crucial downs and distances. Red zone, sack, third down sack, field goal. Red zone, snap over the head, sack, field goal. That's why the Titans are 2-2. Two and two. It's because in the most crucial down and distances where you know it's third and pass because Jeremy McNichols is on the field, if they're bringing heat, Tannehill is sacked. It's just as simple as that. The sack numbers tell the story. He's been sacked 17 times in four weeks compared to 24 times in the entire season last year. When LaJuan was healthy, he was sacked only four times total by the uh, the entire offensive line. Gave up four sacks when LaJuan was healthy last year. It is a different story in 2021. Lawan, you can tell, is not mentally over the, the knee issue, and maybe for good reason. Maybe he doesn't trust it because it is still bothering him. On the right side, David Questenberry is a solid backup. He is not a starting right tackle in the league. They have a rookie who they refuse to even dress for games. By the way, it's time to put Dylan Radins on the field. It is. It's time to play Dylan Radins. Um, and then on the interior, no fault of their own. Ben Jones might be the toughest player on their roster. And but just uh, how he's battling through injuries. And Roger Saffold, you're right, Paul, I agree with you. He, he may maybe had the best game. I, I, there's no way I would put money on him finishing a game. He, he and Ben Jones are not finishing games, and that's no fault of their own. They're battling through it and making sure they can do what they can. But there's nothing about this line that you can trust in regards to the passing game. 
They are very good as a run-blocking line right now. Very good. They're coming off a 2,000-yard season when they were banged up last year. Banged up again this year. It's a different story in pass pro. I don't know about you guys. I'm not expecting Raidens this week. And this took me back. I wrote a piece today where I looked How at bad every, must he be? every offensive lineman that John Robinson has brought in. It's not a very impressive haul outside of Ben Jones and Roger Saffold. And then Nate Davis would be third. Nate Davis, his first year, was hurt in training camp. Mm-hmm. And they were playing Jameel Douglas, who was horrible. They played three games with That's Jameel right. Douglas. And the fourth week, they decided we got to be better. Nate Davis may not be ready. You know what that was? But we've got three? to get him in there. Jacksonville. No, well, his first game was in Atlanta. No, I, I, but the Jacksonville game is when Jamil Douglas they decided was just it was so bad pummeled that they by, had to, by Campbell. Okay, so they decided we've got to get Nate Davis in there. I think they played Jamil Douglas some in that game, but in Atlanta, which was a breakout game for them, where their receivers outdid Julio Jones and the Atlanta receivers, they went to, to Davis. Now, Davis was a third-round pick, not a second-round pick. He's coming out of Charlotte, which is a better program than North Dakota State, but similar, right? I mean. But a similar thing. He played a full season the year before. I think North Dakota State would be favored over Charlotte if they went (laughs) head-to-head, honestly, because North Dakota State is the best team. It's a powerhouse in FCS. Okay, but he played – I'm just laying out the facts. He played one game last year as opposed to a whole season that Nate Davis played. But there's no reason to expect any less of Dylan Radens as a second-round pick than you expected out of Nate Davis. Radens wasn't hurt during the preseason. Nate Davis was, which was the reason. I think we all expected Nate Davis to play on opening day that year had he not been hurt. He was pretty much penciled in. Then he went through the typical thing where Titans' top three picks, third, one, two, three-round picks, get hurt. And so he was slowed down. Dylan Radens is already a game behind Nate Davis's timetable, and I don't think any of the three of us are expecting he's the guy. I think if they switched right tackle right now, it would be to Ty Sembrilo, which it probably should be. Frankly. Well, they can't do that because Ty Sembrilo is playing left guard because Roger Saffold can't finish a game. Well, Brewer played left guard, actually. He played well, left Brewer guard. had to play center whenever... He's snapping, snapping over... Yeah, he's snapping over 10 over 10. 17-yard yeah. loss on the well, snap he played, over Well, he played both, and then Quesenberry... Well, uh, Ravens is touted as a guard. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy that they didn't, are not better on the offensive it, that, line. It's crazy. It's, um, well, it's crazy that he's not going to play this weekend. If you're telling me he's not playing this weekend... Well, I don't know that. I, we don't know. Crazy. But I, 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 my gut would tell you he's not. No, well, well, I don't what, know. What do they ama- need to see, though? Because you talked about that Jacksonville game where it was Jamil Douglas being benched for Nate Davis. That was three games. We've seen four games now. They are one off the pace to have the record in the history of the NFL. Last year, they broke a record for third down defense. This year, they're about to be on pace to give up the most sacks in NFL history. What else do they need to see to know that they need to put someone else in? Well, think about what they're, I mean, so the Nate Davis. Year, By the way, you know, for those listening, Paul just inaudibly shook his head. He doesn't know. That's not good. I mean, I don't understand. I don't know what else. They what? What evidence do they need? They what? Here's what they're telling they've us. Gotta we'll, think he's worse. We will know more this week because they have two starters on the interior banged up. Let's go back to minicamp and OTAs where Dylan Radens was touted as this very coachable. Um, pliable player where yeah. you could, you know, he, wow, he's having such a great off season. He's really jumped in. He's picking up everything. He's, you know, he's Learned really both taking positions. 
And then you get to training camp, and the pads come on, and all of a sudden, he's no longer in the right tackle rotation before we even play a snap in the preseason. And you think to yourself, okay, what's going on here? Then, then he plays in week two, gets a ton of snaps against Tryon and that Bucks defense, and has a decent game. And nothing really clicked after that. And now he's, he's – sometimes he's – has he been active for one game? He's active for one game. He played eight special team snaps in Seattle. And, and now it's um, – you know, and then they get Brewer back off IR. And anyway, we're going to learn more about it now because he is supposed to be the swing guy this year. Based on what they told us in the preseason, he's not good enough to compete for right tackle. He's good enough to be a swing guy for his rookie season to start the year. If he's inactive again, what they are telling you is they made a huge mistake. A huge mistake. Because they don't even trust him to be active to be on an offensive line that right now can't protect Ryan Tannehill on third down. Third and six plus on Sunday. One for 11 on third down and six plus. And again, anytime you hear Dave McGinnis on Titans Radio tell you they're bringing heat, chances are the next three words from Mike Keith are Tannehill is sacked. By the way, a name we haven't mentioned at all here in a discussion of a supremely important position right now that's struggling, Kendall Lamb, who, when they signed him, appeared to be the starting right tackle, who played two series when Taylor Lewan had the cramp issue during a terrible performance against Atlanta, came in, false started twice, and gave up a sack. He has sunken far the, the opener. Arizona. Yeah. Not Atlanta. I'm sorry. Yeah. Arizona. Uh, played so poorly in that, he is firmly entrenched as third behind Quesenberry and Sambrilo. I mean, he is, he is major doghouse material. Well, imagine how right they don't uh, – Quesenberry has – it's been consistent where there's one or two snaps a game where there's heat off the edge and it's coming from the right side. And it's, a, it's again, it's at Blazing the big plays – Big opportune moments for the defense to make a play and hold a hold this offense to a field goal, which is huge. Once the Titans get to the red zone, they're only settling for three against bad teams. Uh, that there, there has to be some adjustment made. Otherwise, we're just going to see this repeat itself based on the structure of the line and the health of the line overall. Because right now, it's not working. I think they got to go to a lot uh, to more frequent short drops and um, and. And also, uh, even more chipping. Coaches are allowed to figure this out. Arthur Smith figured it out last year. They and were fine playing a second string left tackle and a third string left tackle. Coaches are allowed to, to win, figure it out. And they only got sacked 24 times, especially against bad teams and a Jags team that, if it's anything close to what we've seen in, in the past years, they'll just quit. They're just throwing the towel. You think they're going to play for Urban Meyer? Yeah, they're not rallying the troops around Urban Meyer this week. Not that type oh, but, of game. But watch out, rookie quarterbacks. Here comes Trevor Lawrence, slinging it around. He can run and throw. What did the What did the Jets rookie do? He, run he, and throw. Look for Trevor Lawrence to did, wave did, a receiver. Lavisca Chenault, you go things. over there. Go he over ran there. and he threw. <laughs> he did both well. He ran and then threw, not separately, but together. I, I don't think we're overemphasizing what the, the struggles this Titans offense is having right now, based on expectation. And what, here's, here, when we come back, with the one aspect we don't know the answer to that you just have to wish on a prayer that's going to take place sooner rather than later. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360.
The Vols show their building. Vanderbilt survives. We'll get to both coming up. I'll kick 360 in the Tennessee Power Hour. Here's the one thing that you don't know, we don't know, about the Titans and improvement on offense um, because they're, they're not going to say anything publicly about it, and that's A.J. Brown's injury status uh, with the hamstring. That, that has to – he's got to be back. I mean, it, that's bigger than Julio Jones here because of the rapport that we know has been established with Tannehill and A.J., and that's the explosive play opportunity that they have that they're really missing and really haven't had. They, he scored the touchdown against the Cardinals, but in the two wins, A.J. Brown was not a factor. Uh, he was, wasn't playing yesterday or Sunday, and he wasn't a factor at all against the Seahawks. He was dropping passes. Though one discouraging thing that we haven't had time to see Todd Downing sort out with A.J. Brown is when I asked about the missing crossers against, I think it was Arizona, Todd Downing said, yeah, we were behind. I didn't think dinking and dunking was the way to get back in the game. And if he sees crossers to A.J. Brown as dinking and dunking, when A.J. Brown takes crossers regularly and runs away from people with them for gigantic plays oftentimes, that's concerning. Well, and that goes back to his health status that Hutton brought up. I mean, if if that is, in fact, a dink, dink or dunk, then that means he's not fully healthy because we've seen well, him make big plays. He said that when he was healthy. Uh, even last year, I mean, with the knee struggles that he had, yep. he's still producing at a very high rate uh, and putting up a thousand yard season. I mean that the uh, that's the one aspect aside from the the sacks allowed. That's the one aspect that they uh, I'm really troubled by when I watch this offense is uh, aside from AJ and Julio, I can't tell again. you who's going to make that big play. It's not Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, on the on the couple of catches that he could have hauled in, those would have been really good grabs. Uh, the one in the end zone where he fell down. Um, and I mean, that would have been a great catch. A.J. Brown's likely making that catch. Yeah. Josh Reynolds is. Julio that's the, Jones likely makes that catch. Julio as well. Th- that's the separation between those two guys and Josh Reynolds, who's just a number three, uh, but isn't capable of stepping up to a high level and being a number one on a day where you desperately need him. Anthony Ferkser is going to be good for a 100-yard game maybe twice this season. That's what he's done in the past. There's no reason to expect that he's anything more than that moving forward. He was disappointingly absent on Sunday with the chance to win the game. Yep. Um, Yes. And Marcus Johnson, you know, maybe he falls in with everybody else or maybe he's a notch better. Cam Batson was especially unimpressive against the Jets looking for flags and he was the deep threat and he wasn't really much of a threat. I'd like to see Marcus Johnson at least in that mix give him another option. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Batson's fine. He's not a problem, but he's also not a long-term solution that you point to. He's a gadget guy that they're going to specifically dial up. Plays a great play call to get him the touchdown. So props to Todd Downey for for getting that going. Um, But you work those plays out for Batson during the week and you work them into your game plan a week or two later whenever you feel like you can exploit the defense for what Batson does well. But he's not, I mean, there's no consistency there on a down-in, down-out basis where you know Batson's going to get it done. He's he's a Tajay Sharp at best from years past. They don't have the guy who's going to be the John U, AJ, Julio, if those guys aren't there, to step up. And uh, Humphreys even, whenever Humphreys was healthy, he was a chain mover. They didn't have that the other day. I... I, uh, 
I'm just I'm, I'm looking for solutions. I don't know if they have a lot. And look, of them. we've said if you lose your top guys in the NFL, you're screwed. They could probably do okay with AJ or Julio, but you take both of them out. Who's replacing their top two receivers in the NFL? Uh, you know. The Titans certainly aren't if Nick Westbrook, Aquina, and Cam Batson are the two guys starting for them. You know, when we talked about them having good Again, depth, that meant they were good at three and four. It didn't mean Jets they were good without the two They're playing the Jets I'm not and the saying Jaguars. they shouldn't have won without them. I'm saying you can't expect them to be an explosive offense without them. They should have won without being an explosive offense against you them. You know, someone asked me the, the other day about the Titans, and it, someone who's not a Titans fan, they said, you know, how – how do people think that John Robinson is a great GM? Because all they see are the last two drafts, right? And I say, well, you know, he traded for Ryan Tannehill. He gets a lot of credit for that. I mean, he's surviving right now on Ryan Tannehill, a, a terrific second-round pick in Derrick Henry. I said and he's made some good moves, you know, here and there for guys. A.J. Brown, another terrific second-round pick. Hey, Landry's looking pretty good. Sur- surviving on that. You know, some good second-round picks. But we've stated throughout that, and now this draft class is starting to look like more of the same, you're going to pay the piper eventually. You were always going to pay the piper for Isaiah Wilson. If you're telling me Dylan Radins is so bad that he can't see the field this weekend, that is a missed pick. They're um, announcing that to the world. I'll give it two weeks. If they go out against Jacksonville and have protection issues again, and then they, you don't see him the week after that, they are announcing to the world that he is no good. That they don't trust when, when that happens, this isn't a – I kept going back to talk to me in a year and a half or two years, and you're going to see what I've been preaching about this. You can't continually whiff on first and second round picks and be good in the NFL. You can't do it back-to-back years. What's the find of the last two years in the, in the draft for John Robinson? They may start paying for that this year. David Long? I, the, the, the clock is being sped up now. I, I, it's looking more and more like if Dylan Radins doesn't play this year, they're going to start paying the price this season. David Long. And we may have started to see that against the Jets, unfortunately. Think about it. Mean, now, they're Chad, saved by a terrible division. They're saved by a terrible division. You've, you're right. And, and you've been mentioning this and how they've, they've gone about trying to replace certain pieces to this puzzle. Uh, I was way more optimistic in what they were trying to do. Elijah Molden, they don't even want him playing anymore um, with him being in the doghouse. It's like there's a, there's a disconnect with what these I, – I don't I, – rookies are allowed to come in and make an impact. And if rookies are – if they could come in and make an impact, this coaching staff would play them. They've done it in the past. And we're not seeing Caleb Farley because now he has a bum shoulder – which uh, has that been updated at any time soon or recently? No. Dylan Radins is inactive. Um, Molden is not the option to move inside. They'd rather move in Fulton now inside in a position he didn't play in the preseason. And he's admittedly said there's more to it and a nuance to it that he's got to get used to. Um, they cut their fourth round. It'd be nice to have a fourth round wide receiver, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah. Cut squad. him. Cut him. Not even worried about bringing him up from the practice squad. Uh, and beyond that, just just guys. I mean, well, what is, Weaver, Weaver was the one bright guys, spot, and he's on IR. 14 guys' last two drafts. Most impactful by far right now is Christian Fulton, who's one of the two best players on defense. Second most impactful right now, it's a debate between Laurel Murchison, who just went on IR, and Chris Jackson, who fell out this week, hurt. But here's the thing about Christian Fulton. And I get that he was hurt, 
That's an unsuccessful first year pick. Well, that in was the first a, year. That was a pick. Oh, that, that's their path. That was a pick that is a team that won the division last year. If Christian Fulton, if you hit on that pick, he helps a defense that was historically bad on third down against the pass. That's that's what ends up leading to them being a first. Here's all, the thing: it all plays into each other. If if you've got a, a window that's open to really succeed in the NFL. You draft a second-round pick. When they drafted Christian Fulton, we're all saying, Christian Fulton's going to come in and help. This is a guy who can help right away. He should have been a first-round pick. I remember saying that. Talent-wise, should have been a first-round pick. Failed in year one for whatever reason. Well, he was hurt. Whatever. But failure. Right. I mean, from a GM standpoint, failure. Not because he was hurt. This year, he looks good. But this all goes in, plays into each other. People keep bringing up in the chat right now, Big Jeff. Well, Big Jeff. He drafted Big Jeff. Big Jeff is fine. Are you going to hang your hat as a GM on Jeffrey Simmons? Fans pick? are hanging their hat on him. They love him. Here's the thing about Fulton that, that, that we don't raise often enough, right? When you bring these guys in and you're very content with a middling first season, he's injured, you don't bring him along, he didn't catch on fast enough, all of that stuff, you're giving up one year. You've only got four years of him because he's a second-round pick. So you're giving up a quarter of his career – and then either he's good and you think he's overpriced and you don't sign him to a second contract, or he's not good and you don't want him for a second contract. So you spend a second-round pick on three years. My biggest thing with Fulton that from second-round pick has to have more value than three years. The, the biggest thing for me, guys, with, with Christian Fulton is he has been really good on the outside to start this year. And they just kicked him And inside. they just moved him inside because Chris Jackson got hurt and they don't trust Molden anymore after starting Molden over Chris Jackson. And Chris Jackson, by the way, got hurt and they violate the policy and they don't tell us what, what the well, injury is. Paul, aren't you a part of some sort of professional yeah, writers association? Yeah, it'll be discussed this week. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but at some point, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because I doubt anyone else has the courage to bring it up to the Titans about this, but report them. Because that's wrong. They're, they're violating the rules. I saw someone tweet today, have you ever seen a college coach in an NFL city that tells you more about injuries than the NFL team who is obligated under contract to tell you about injuries? And they're referencing Clark Lee actually talking about injuries at Vandy. And the, and the Titans don't disclose them? Three guys How left is that, that allowed? Three guys left that game and didn't return. My understanding is if you leave... Uh, no, and return. But they, they left the game for a time. My understanding is if you leave the game for a time, that you have to issue a, a report about why. Just tightness. What did the NFL say about Julio Jones' prognosis? Uh, they did not report on Julio Jones' I mean, tightness. They will do the bare minimum because they can, and the NFL will likely do nothing about it Correct. because they're doing and the bare minimum. You know, I, I, I'm, we're, we're going to tie this into the Tennessee Power Hour now. Okay, this, this is always going to bother me because – I know the guy, and I watched him play a lot. Trey Smith is starting for the Kansas City Chiefs. They drafted Brady Breeze yep. ahead of Trey Smith. They went in the second round and tried to correct the mistake of Isaiah Wilson in a spot that no one was expecting right tackle, and they took a right tackle from North Dakota State who can't find the damn field on a team that sucks on the offensive well, line. I, those and are Trey two Smith separate issues is a me. good starter in the NFL – and Mike Vrabel and John Robinson sat there at his pro day and worked the bag with him and worked hand placement and everything else. That is a lack of talent evaluation. Well, Plain and simple. 30 other teams also failed to evaluate Great. Trey Smith correctly. They were right there with him. I didn't see Andy Reid out there working the handbag <laughs> with Trey Smith the way Mike Vrabel was. They were right there with the kid. And if you know him and you saw him play, everyone saw this coming. 
And Andy Reid went out in the sixth round and got a starter. And a guy who's doing very well every week is grading out well with PFF and everything else. I'm not as harsh on that. Can't you block. can do this. You can do this with every guy that's successful in late rounds. Say your team missed on him. With every guy that's a success. Well, then I'll I'll, I'll go with this. Isaiah Wilson, Dylan Radens. That is what bothers me. Yeah, that that to that, me is that a more much fairer with the Trey complaint. Smith thing bothers me. I mean, aside from Trey Smith and Dylan Radens, it's alarming to see the lack of playmakers from the last two drafts where this team is. I mean, they, they, they're, they're, they don't need any help. They're very, very good. They're very nonchalant that's how they, about That's how they act, right? Very nonchalant We don't need help it. from these drafts. We're very, very good. Caleb Farley, Dylan Radins, well, Monty Rice, who they didn't need in the first place. Elijah Molden, who's a slow slot guy, which they told us they were getting away with when they let Logan Ryan leave. Des Fitzpatrick, who couldn't make the team. Rashad Weaver, who broke his leg. Racy McMath, who's purely a special teamer. Brady Breeze, who might be back soon. But what do they need Brady Breeze for? He's not going to be better than Dane Crookshank. Isaiah Wilson, who's gone. Fulton, who's turning into something. Darrington Evans, who didn't look that good before he's hurt. Lorel Murchison, who's on IR. Cole McDonald, who didn't make it to training camp. And Chris Jackson, who's pretty good for a seventh-round pick. Well, and I'm, and look, I'm looking around the division, and we can keep falling back on this. They're going to probably be fine. And they're going to be a playoff team this year because the division is so bad. But this Titans team should Which just be better than that, fine right that now. Organization. Well, this, is, this is the time. This, I think you've said it. They've been building to this, right? This is they've been not, building to the season. They, they should just be better than fine. And all they are right now is exactly. fine because they're in a that's, bad division. And that's my point. People are like, it's week four. What are you overreacting? I don't feel I'm overreacting about this team because this is not about the AFC South. This is about achieving Last what you've been was. building to achieve and now you're there, and you're not capable of going out and grabbing it. What the loss does to the Jets is it doesn't bury you, but it doesn't allow you a chance to catch your breath whenever your quarterback has the air knocked out of him in week 11, and you don't have him for a, a big series on third down, and it ends up being crippling to you as to why you lose the game in week 11. Because you're looking over your shoulder at week four when you lost to the terrible Jets and you don't have the breathing room of having another AFC loss in a crucial battle for playoff position. And home field. You're that's not where get it home screws field. you. And I don't, know, I don't understand why that's so hard to connect with, with people within the organization and out. This mattered on Sunday. The fact that you could not go on the road to the New York Jets and take advantage of the opportunity and take care of your business. That spoke volumes to me with how they handled their business on Sunday. That is a terrible loss, and there's no other way to look at it than that. The, the whole, oh, it's just one loss in a series of games, and every team's going to lose to everybody. That's just not how it works. The best teams handle their business on the road against inferior opponents, and they return home and win at home as well against good teams. The Titans, so let's, look, let's just set up what this has done for the Titans. As you look ahead to their, to their schedule, so they have Jacksonville this week, and again, they're they playing the win Jags. It and they will. They're playing the quitting Jags uh, because the <laughs> Jags are about to turn it in on their coach. Um, no one's going to buy Urban Meyer anything he's saying in front of. They're, they're laughing him out of the room right now. Then three massive weeks. Well, beyond that, so they're hosting the Bills. They're hosting the Chiefs. They play the Colts again who they tried to hand the game to a couple of weeks ago. They're playing the Colts again. They'll be healthier. And then they play Monday night against the Rams. They will host the Saints. I mean, this gets no easier as we move forward. You have to take advantage 
of what has been laid there in front of you. And they've already let one slip away to the Jets. Massive loss. Because again, they're going to face injuries that they you just can't assume guys are going to stay healthy with the rate that Tannehill's getting uh, hit and the rate that they're turning around to hand the football to Henry. Both have been healthy here, and you can't just predict injuries, but you also can't predict health based on the usage and the hits of both players. That's my point. Logan Woodside's going to play a series coming up, and because they lost to the Jets, you're going to pile two losses into one because you don't have any breathing room. That's why it mattered on Sunday. And this just kind of, oh, we just need to be more consistent. And, oh, we need to capitalize in the red zone. It was the Jets. You played the Jets and lost. I I can't get over the fact you didn't play the Bills and things didn't go your way. You played the New York Jets. That's my point. This team could not go on the road and handle their business. And if you don't look, no, no one is expecting the Titans to you know wallow in failure and give up or anything like that. But if you don't admit failure, you're not going to move forward from it. And and it just seems that there is some sort of disconnect about that. That there's not an admission that it's it's an embarrassment. That Let it's embarrassing also, for this. Yeah, well, they're very good at moving on. I had someone, Derek Henry and after and the look, game, it's like it's over. We're we're past. And it. that's that's fine. I mean, they, they right now you'd hope they're moving on to this week and not you know wallowing in grief. Well, ten minutes about after the game's loss. over, they can still talk about it, reflect on it. Um, I had someone point out, oh, the Patriots, their Super Bowl year, 2018, lost to the Jags and lost to the Lions early the in the Patriots. season. Let me let me get into and their point was, oh, you can lose to bad teams and still go win the Super Bowl. A completely different situation there. The Patriots are coming off the 28-3 to return. Also, Jacksonville, who they lost to in week two or week three, they're coming off the AFC championship appearance where they played the Patriots. They didn't get bad yet. They, were t- they had won 10 games the year before. The lowly Lions just fired Caldwell after winning nine games the year before, and they beat the Patriots in week three or week four. Congrats to the Patriots for losing to those teams that the, the, the Jags started that season three and one and then collapsed because that's what Jacksonville does. And the Lions became the Lions after they, for whatever reason, decided to get rid of Jim Caldwell after a nine and seven season that they're still trying to get over and still trying to rebuild for. These Jets from Sunday are not the Jags and the, and the Lions from 2017 going to the 18th season. This is a terrible, lowly franchise. Let, let, me, let me give you another example of what this isn't. These Titans and this organization is not the New England Patriots. Oh, that's right. The Patriots right. earn the right well, like to, think to drop the occasional awful. There's nothing that this franchise no. has done to earn the right. What this franchise has done has earned the right for Paul even last week to question the Titans going to that game against the Jets. And he was right to question them because history shows us it is a franchise that plays down to competition. Are the moment we, you think they're in a championship window, they prove you wrong. That's a, an organizational problem. What, what are we closer to seeing from this Titans team? The turnaround or more of the same? More inconsistency? Well, I, I hate to say it because we don't want to give them the excuse to lean on but I think it's got a lot to do with their health. I mean, if these hamstrings linger... They've shown that they're not going to be very good with the parts that they have. They're going to lack explosive plays. It's I, going to be a trudge-a-thon, right? 
I mean, if they can get these guys back, I think they can be the team that we thought they could be. But they, what's the um, timetable? If they're playing Kansas City without both those guys, they're not going to stand toe to toe. I fully expect the Titans to beat Kansas City or Buffalo because one of them. This is kind of what the Titans. They'll get some yeah, guys back rise and healthy. To the occasion. They'll, they'll have rise a good up. Game they'll plan. beat a good team. Then they're going to spend a week talking about you know, hey, no one respected us coming into this game. No one exactly. thought we could do it, and then we went out there and did it. And they're going to go lose to Houston later in the year. That, that's what that's this organization does. That's about how it goes. They are uh, just think of this is not just about the Jets. They got blitzed by Green Bay, quality team last year, the end of the season. On, on were, national TV in their spotlight moment after their we, big, pretty big year. We saw what happened with Baltimore in the playoff game. They follow that up with a total destruction. Arizona came here and destroyed them at Nissan Stadium. They had one solid, great half that forced overtime and won a game in Seattle that they had no business being in at halftime. Props to the Titans. They got the job done on the road at Seattle. That was a must-win situation if you look back on it now. Week three, they tried to hand it to Indy. Indy wasn't capable of actually taking that game despite the three turnovers that was handed to Indy in that game. And then we saw what happened last week. I mean, this is more than just one week of inconsistent play. This is a trend. And the trend was supposed to be back on track. You get, you get out of the rut and get back on track because you play the Jets and the Jags before you face the AFC's best. Get healthy and get wins. More That's coming up. Uh, speaking of uh, getting wins, the Vols and Vandy did that on Saturday. But we start with Tennessee and what Josh Heupel's group, what his team showed us at Missouri. That's next on Outkick 360. First, though, Dr. Rolando Toyos and Toyos Clinic. See better, look better. If you're ready to enjoy the freedom of not wearing glasses or contact lenses, do like I did. Check out toyosclinic.com or call the number on your screen. Dr. Rolando Toyos and Toyos Clinic, the number one LASIK provider in Tennessee. They have three offices here in Middle Tennessee, an office in Memphis, an office in New York City. They offer the latest technology, flapless LASIK. And with flapless LASIK, you can the very next day swim, work out, wear makeup. It's so accurate and convenient. Navy SEALs get this procedure. MMA fighters and boxers go right back into training. I was back to hosting the, the show right after my LASIK procedure in 2016. I'm still seeing 2015 vision from that procedure. 800-603-1989 is the number to contact the LASIK Concierge Service. 800-603-1989, 15% off uh, just by mentioning OutKick360. 800-603-1989 for your free consultation today with Toyo's Clinic. Toyo's Clinic, see better, look better. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Outkick 360. It's been an energized week after the Titans lost that, we know. Uh, they could use some energy in the pass rush, Paul. Only one sack against a uh, rookie quarterback last week that had been sacked 15 times in three weeks. Is help on the way? Uh, well, if you think John Simon's pass rusher, then yes, they signed him to the practice squad today. Interesting comment today, by the way, from uh, Ryan Crow, the outside linebackers coach, who was asked about Ola Adeni, uh, who's been a revelation in the pass rush. 
but he said something today about him playing less snaps, fewer snaps against the, uh, the Jets. Said, well, we don't want to take too much away from special teams. Oh, I'm like oh hearing that. They have to find more ways to get Ola <laughs> yeah. involved. You play him really as good. much as you need on defense, and if he He's can't really handle good. the special teams load, you replace him on special teams. They didn't have a problem playing him a lot of snaps in the game. That, and he's only played before this game. He played 40 snaps on defense. That's not taking too much away from special teams. By the way, Molden did not play a single snap on defense Sunday. No, not good. Um, there were some quality snaps by the Tennessee Volunteers, both sides of the football. And uh, going back to a topic we had, Chad, in the, in the preseason during, during fall camp for the Tennessee Vols, uh, an emphasis on the players who decided to stay with Josh Heupel because with the transfer portal being what it was, I mean, uh, their best players left and yeah, they tied for the most transfers out in the country. 31. Yeah. To, to see what they did against Missouri in a win that's big for Heupel and, and the Vols, because with Georgia being backed up on the schedule, they will get Kentucky and now South Carolina before they play Georgia and, and Georgia blows them out. You get my point here. There, there's a building block aspect to this. And because the guys who what, – what did it mean to you to see that performance with – and see what they did with the guys they did it with or maybe the guys they didn't do it with because they left? It, look, it was a huge win. I mean, uh, Missouri is no world beater. We, we know that. But it, it was a big win for the program to prove they could go out and play that style of offense and have those results. Alex Golish is the offensive coordinator. He had media availability today – he was asked about results. He ended up giving a seven over 700-word response about process and how when you have a roster like this in year one, they're constantly preaching to the guys that you can't become too result-oriented. This sounds like what a lot of people talk about. He also said it's nice to have a result like that. But the elite programs in America, they're not as concerned with results. They're more concerned with making sure you're doing things the winning way each and every week, and then it starts over every week. The same things you hear from coaches all the time. Alex Golish also was asked about, how did you get this level of buy-in? You know, These guys really mm. seem to be playing for the coaches and playing for each other and really taking to your coaching on offense. And he said, because the, those that did not buy in are no longer here. They all transferred out. And the guys that stayed are the ones that want to be there, which I thought was a great answer. Matthew Butler... Tennessee super senior defensive lineman who's played more snaps than anyone else in the defensive line was asked about the defense and, and how surprising they've been. And they were good in this game also. And he said, I don't want to roll the previous staff under the bus, but you can go back and watch the film. We could not do what they were asking us mm. to do. We weren't capable of it. He said those defenses worked at previous places they were at. We couldn't do that as a defense. That's a great answer. And That's now good. they're teaching us to do something we can do we're bought in, we know what we're doing, and we're playing a defense that we can actually be effective playing. Matthew Butler's a smart guy. Uh, I know he chose Tennessee over Vandy in the recruiting process, wasn't a highly heralded recruit, but I thought a very good answer to that Great. question. And look, Tennessee now, we're, we'll talk more about this game against South Carolina. This is a huge game. They're a win against South Carolina, to me, of having a successful season because I don't see them losing to South Alabama or Vandy. And that pretty much Agreed. ensures them six wins – and I'm not taking Ole Miss and Kentucky off the list of possible wins. No. So no. even if they lose to South Carolina, I could still see a scenario where they win one of those games and get to six or seven. But this is a big game. They're, they're a 10-point favorite at home. South Carolina's got a very good defense. They're 21st in the country in stop rate. 
Um, that's going to be a challenge. Their offense isn't very good. And Tennessee has shown that they can put up a lot of points. And coming up this week, we'll discuss why that, Chad mentioned the buy-in aspect of this team. We'll discuss why that's massively important for Heupel this year moving forward uh, for the buy-in of potential open transfer portal again. That's all coming up this week. Uh, tomorrow, primary complaint amongst other big topics, including we'll get to all the NFL and college football, namely SEC headlines of the day on OutKick 360. Hope you'll join us. Don't let the consistency of the message keep you from adhering to the message. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.